3: I'm Tim Eccles, the host of Energy Matters. I'm a public service commissioner here in the state of Georgia. My co-host, as always, from downtown Decatur. Uh, I guess all of it's downtown Decatur, isn't it, KC? KC Boyce. How's it going, KC?
0: Hey, good Tim. I'm actually in the Oakhurst neighborhood, and we're proud not to be downtown Decatur. So, you know, our little four square mile uh, community we, we've got we've got some neighborhoods here. All right, great. Well, tell uh, everyone about our guest today. Well, so Tim, we, we've got a great guest for you, particularly today. Uh, our, our guest today is Ethan Sprague. Uh, he is with FreeWire Technologies, and we'll we'll talk a little bit more. Um, about what that is as we get into the show. But the reason that this is great for you, Tim, is that not only is Ethan an EV driver, which we'll talk about with him, but he's also a Californian. Oh and he's also an Ivy League guy. So I know you're oh going to have fun with him. Um, I know. You take it a deep breath. Um, but, Ethan, it's great to have you on the show. Welcome.
1: Thanks for having me. I, I've been to Decatur uh, last year, so I, I know exactly where you're at. It's a beautiful place. All
0: right. Excellent.
1: What, what brought you to Decatur? Um uh, I have a, a nephew who lives there, and uh, he's a professor. And so I was I was visiting, and I was also demonstrating some of our technology to Georgia Power and uh, the Porsche offices. Um, we're charging some of their vehicles in a, an exhibit they were doing. Wow, very cool.
3: Yeah, that's cool. Well, welcome to the show. You know, the we don't get a lot of Ivy Leaguers on our show, but you went to Columbia. Uh, I guess UC Santa Cruz for your undergrad. What was your major out there at uh, at UC?
1: I had a combined major of politics and law.
3: And so you couldn't wow. get enough of that that you decided to go to New York and go to Columbia. And, and, and what did you study there?
1: I studied journalism. Yeah, I mean, uh, I thought I, w- I was going to go into politics. I worked in D.C. for a while and uh, didn't like it very much. Uh, I worked at a law firm and got into uh, regulatory issues, which were which were interesting, and uh, all of that's so complicated. I thought I needed to learn how to talk about it, so I went to journalism school.
3: Wow, I've got a master's in uh, in journalism, public relations, actually from the University of Georgia. Uh, there's such a nexus between politics and journalism. I mean it seems like in every one of my classes in that master's program, I think there were 11 classes in that program that we talked about politics every single day. Uh there, there, is, there is such a, an overlap, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's true. It's true they they're very connected and you know, I think uh, as as our world gets more complicated, you know, boiling things down to their essence is a is a true skill and and I'm I'm sure you're you're quite good at it.
3: Well, I don't know about that, but uh, I know what I do enjoy is talking about electric cars. And you guys have some technology out there that's uh, that's coming our way uh, in one form or the other. Casey, I'm actually doing this recording from the Cox Pivot Facility at 2244 Metropolitan Parkway. And in in not too many months, there will be a shipping container delivered here full of Nissan Leaf batteries, uh daisy chained together by some kind of battery management system and charging some of these used teslas and these chevy bolts that are here that lift run and so it sounds like it's very similar to the technology that you guys are doing at freewire tell us a little bit about this device uh, what it looks like how you guys came up with it ethan and what kind of purpose it's going to serve in california and beyond
1: yeah so uh Great question, and I uh, want to let you know that Cox is actually a customer of ours, Cox Mannheim, here in California. They've got three of our mobile Level 2 units, so it's a Level 2 charger, uh, and it looks like it's about the size of an ice cream cart, and the beauty of it is you can plug it into the the wall, uh, a 110 or 220 outlet, fill up the 80-kilowatt-hour battery, and take the charger to the vehicle instead of having to drive the vehicle to a charger and then move cars. If you're, if you're selling cars... So- uh, and you know a hard pack lot. It's it's a pain to get the keys to the right car that you need to charge. So they're using that today uh, in three locations in California. But we thought this this idea of using the battery to sort of unlock the power of the grid without having to enhance the grid was a real winning solution. And so what we have designed and we just launched is what we call the boost charger. It isn't mobile like the, uh, like the Mobi, the Level 2 charger, but it is um, really powerful. It can give you about 100 miles of range in 10 minutes on a, on a 240 or 208 three-phase input. So you don't have to bring that high power in. The car is actually getting that high power charge from the battery that's in the base of it.
3: Wow. I had a chance to drive a Tesla Model Y on a road trip. Um, Not too long ago, as we were promoting our Clean Energy Roadshow, our 10th anniversary, and Cobb EMC, one of our electric membership cooperatives, owns a number of Teslas and and Chevy Bolts and Volts and other things, Nissan Leafs, that they loan out to their membership. And I stopped at probably 10 different superchargers along the path, and some of them were You know, 250. Some of them were 125 uh, in terms of 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 the power. I mean, it makes a difference, of course. But uh, Tesla, I I was so impressed with the network of chargers that they built along interstates. Because I don't drive a Tesla on a daily basis; I drive a Chevy Volt with a V. So it was just very impressive uh, how easy it is. You don't have to wave any card in front of it. You just plug it in. And it goes. It is. It is. It is so user friendly, Casey.
0: Yeah, and you know, I think that's part of the the magic that you know Tesla figured out. You know, when we think about who is driving EVs and and what they want to do you know most people even a lower range EV like you know we have in my family works day to day you know most people in the US drive something like 40 miles you know or less in a day so that totally works but not so much for road trips right so you i mean you were driving all around the state of Georgia and having availability of those fast chargers so that you can take those road trips is, is really key, but it's also somewhat problematic. And, Ethan, I'm, I'm curious to hear your, your take on this. So the reason it's problematic, as you sort of pointed out in your, your intro, is that... There's a lot of infrastructure that's required. So, you know, Tim, those 250 kilowatt Tesla superchargers, if there are multiple stalls there and they're, you know, each doing 250 kilowatts, you know, that's a megawatt. That's a pretty significant transformer that's needed on the back end, some pretty significant wiring that's needed to, you know, build that out and support that. And it sounds like, Ethan, what you guys have at FreeWire, allows you to bring maybe not 250 kW, but you know, fast charging to areas that don't have that infrastructure or to reduce the cost of build out for that. Is that right?
1: That That's right. So our charger can charge one vehicle at 120 kW. So for most vehicles on the road, that's plenty sufficient. It actually has two cables on it. So you could charge two at 60 kW each. So it's like two in one, but really what the battery does is it, you know, when when a Tesla pulls up to a supercharger, the amount of power it's requesting from the grid is is a lot. And the site host is probably gonna pay uh, a a premium for that power if there's demand charges, um, it'll put them into another rate class. And so when you think about providing public charging, you know, a lot of these these providers are thinking, well, geez, if I only get one or two charges a day, my energy costs are gonna go up. The utility may be saying, how do we deal with all that demand um, if we're not sure where it's gonna be or how, how often we're gonna need it? So there's a lot of uh, costs uh, in there, in that model. And what our charger does, because it's the battery, it protects the grid and the site hose from the energy impacts that a charge will take. And you could also move our our unit around. So, you know, it's really designed, one of our main investors is British Petroleum. It's really designed to go in a a gas station in a C-store sort of situation. So, you know, you could deploy this pretty quickly um, and you could provide that high power charge, that customer experience that Tim is talking about that's really nice. It's got a touchscreen on it. And what we're working on is integrating it with the point of sale system. So imagine you pull into your uh, convenience store off the highway uh, you start your charge, you order your Red Bull and your hot dog, and it could be brought out to you all from, all from that charger interface. And as the owner of that, if I want to bring more chargers in, I can easily do it as demand grows. Or if I say, hey, this location doesn't have enough usage, I could move that charger someplace else. So we really are trying to de-risk and accelerate the adoption of uh, charging deployment. So
0: Tim, I'm curious, were Red Bulls and hot dogs your road trip fare? No, no.
3: I I, I want to get into this Red Bull and hot dog thing. I don't know whether <laughs> I don't know whether that's an Ivy League thing or a California thing. We're we're gonna we're gonna dive into that a little bit more. But I do want to before we end this particular segment. He mentioned demand charges, and if you are uh, a listener out there, uh, th- there are a lot of demand charges at play in California. In the next segment, I'm going to have Ethan kind of talk about that and how his equipment helps people avoid those, because some of those can be quite pricey. But I will say this as a beef to the Tesla system I was on uh, on this road trip, is that they were using demand charges for these chargers. And so it was double if you charge between, you know, basically in the afternoon and evening. It was double the fee. But the the thing is, Casey, they were charging demand charges on Saturday and Sunday, right? So there is no there is no utility demand charges on Saturday and Sunday. Tesla was still getting them, and I, I guess it's the it's the demand charges for their chargers. It's probably how they're looking at it because everybody. Everybody is on a road trip. That's when those things get the most use, and they're trying to discourage usage. So, hey, let's, let's kick, kick this to the next segment. We're going to bring Ethan back, continue to talk about free wire uh, and, and reusing old batteries and, and, and just how great of technology this is. I'm Tim Eccles. You're listening to Energy Matters.
2: Energy Matters would like to thank Gas South for its support of the show. Gas South has a no-deposit policy and offers some of the lowest per-therm rates in the state. Use the promo code MATTERS for a special deal. Gas South, the difference is good. Gas South believes in the difference we can all make. Like the
0: difference in putting people first and showing that you care. For us, our difference is saving people money with our best rates and no deposit. And the difference we make in our community... By taking care of our friends and neighbors and giving back 5% of our profits to help children in need. Learn more about what makes us different at GasSouth.com.
2: GasSouth, the difference is good. Logan Booker, producer of Energy Matters, here for Green Power EMC. From the suburbs to rural farming communities, Georgia is enjoying the benefits of a more sustainable future through the power of solar energy. Available from 38 of Georgia's member owned electric membership cooperatives, or EMCs, these not for profit utilities are harnessing the sun's energy to bring clean, renewable, and affordable electricity to 4.2 million Georgians. For more information, visit www.greenpoweremc.com or contact your local EMC.
3: but how? We thank John Gornall and all the attorneys and staff at AGG for sponsoring our show. Hey, this is Tim Eccles. We're back on Energy Matters. We're talking to Ethan Sprague. He works with Freewire, California. Casey, this this technology that Ethan has, Casey Boyce, my host in Decatur. Uh Casey, this technology I, I think it's going to catch on and move way beyond California because a lot, of, a lot of states struggle with these demand charges, don't they?
0: Yeah, and, you know, Ethan talked about it earlier in the first segment. We'll get into a little bit more detail here, but, you know, the, just the financing of – Um, you know, how you make public fast charging work. You know, I talked about the infrastructure costs. He talked about the costs around demand charges. And, you know, it is something that we need to figure out if we want to have these fast chargers that are available for people when they go on road trips, you know, wherever that might be. and, you know, when you think about demand charges, basically the, the kind of quick and easy way to think about it is it's the kind of instantaneous amount of energy that you use at any one time, right? So in the previous segment, Tim talked about the the Tesla 250 kilowatt uh, chargers that he used when he was uh, riding around in Cobb EMC's Model Y. And so the demand charge is based on that usage of 250 kilowatts, which is significantly more than your, your house uh, uses, right? Um, but businesses, including folks who provision public charging, have to deal with this. And it's it's basically a way to make sure that they are paying for uh, the expense of grid infrastructure that's needed to serve that amount of power usage at, at that time, right?
3: Yeah, yeah, that's right. And energy you know, is relative in price in different states and, and at different times. I mean, we have special rates. We talked about them called time of use rates where where you pay more during the summer from 2 to 7, Monday through Friday, and then overnight uh, and, and in the evenings and early in the morning. Power is cheaper. And not every state does this. Not every city does this. But, um, Ethan, your technology, it, it does help uh, in places – like say, um, Alameda County in Oakland, where they do have a substantial demand charge, and they're running a lot of electric vehicles, and it can be, it can be a financial event if they plug in at the wrong time, can it?
1: it? It certainly can. So. Um the, the demand charge is how much, it's based on how much power you pull from the grid, the power capacity. So, you know, someone's pulling 250 kilowatts, that's a pretty hefty demand charge if the rate structure is set up that way. But what our, our technology does is because of the battery, is charging from the grid, just like a water heater at your home, right? It's taking taking in low power, uh, we say up to about 27 kilowatts in to fill up our battery. And the vehicle is taking 120 kW out, but it's not taking it from the grid, it's taking it from the battery. So what we do is we reduce the demand charge and we reduce, like if you had a time of use rate uh, that you're talking about, we, we move, we, we sh- uh, shift the peak uh, because we're only taking this constant low low amount in um, and we can still provide that high power charge out. And we did an analysis uh, on the US and we, we saw that, uh, uh, you know, and DOE has done some studies on this, we saw that about 50% of the country has demand charges of $15 per kilowatt or higher. And when we run our technology against a conventional charger, over 10 years, you would pay $220,000 more uh, in demand charges at $15 per kilowatt than you would with our technology. So we, we can save folks you know, roughly 22,000 plus a year um, with our technology.
0: And that makes public charging more uh, widely available and,
1: and less expensive for folks to use, correct? I, I want to explain what's kind of an abstract concept. People are trying to get into the charging business, and they're putting technology out there to think about charging. But all of these chargers exist in an energy ecosystem, whether it's a, a parking lot, a gas station, a dealership. And so the battery enables um uh, an integration into their business model. It uh, Not only does it become cheaper to charge because you're using the battery, but you could also use that battery to uh, uh, offset your load of your regular operations. So, um, and if the grid goes down where, you know, you probably know in California you're having a bunch of fires. If you're a fleet and you need, and you want to electrify, and the grid goes down, how are you going to charge uh, your vehicle? So the, the battery can enable charging uh, when the grid is down as well. So it's a better solution. It's a more holistic solution. And we think it has um, something that commissioners should be really excited about, you know, a lower impact on the grid, which means it reduces electricity costs for everyone. It creates more of a virtuous cycle uh, for EV charging. So, I think of it as sustainable electrification, meaning that you can sustain the electrification effort over a longer period of time.
3: Uh, Casey, I just have to think that California regulators and others are shaking in their boots out there after this last outage because they are the epicenter for electric vehicles in America, over 600,000 of them. And, and you know, they really have done everything that they needed to do to convince people that they're. You know they're a good idea. They're giving them lane privileges. They're they're putting chargers everywhere. But when you have an outage like they've had, and you've got more and more EVs coming on that are very thirsty, like 250 kilowatts of thirsty, it 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 makes it a challenge. And I think your technology, Ethan, is part of the engineering that. Is required to get states like California out of the pickle that they've gotten themselves into.
1: Yeah I I don't really see it as a as a pickle I I see it as you know this is just where we're headed Um, things think you know accidents happen hurricanes happen um, and the the utility from a utility perspective their main job is to balance demand and supply Um, and And, you know, what's driving demand? I think electrification is driving demand. You know, uh, demand among utilities has been flat. Uh, uh, It's just starting to pick up in about 2018. It started to pick up. And, And energy pricing, energy storage pricing in particular is going down and it enables you to manage the supply. And so uh, you might you might remember the uh, the chocolate and peanut butter commercial uh, where the, the kid walks out of his house with a, a jar of peanut butter and a, another kid is skateboarding with a chocolate bar and they run into each other and then they have this combination of peanut butter and chocolate. That's really what our charger is. It works for the demand side and the supply side.
3: That sounds delicious and it makes sense. Uh, of course, part of what could be increasing demand in California is and this is, this is not a show about the California grid, so I, I, Casey, I really don't want to stray too far here. But closing natural gas plants, closing traditional cha- plants like uh, n- nuclear power plants, obviously, if you're decreasing the supply from those type of power plants. Then obviously, you've impacted the grid. And California, certainly, they're doing that and they're making the best of it. I'm impressed that they've got the technology to be able to add the batteries and to do the things that they're doing because they're not just adding batteries in your containers, they're adding batteries onto the grid and, and trying to basically uh, correct that duck curve that you guys are getting late in the evening as folks get home and the solar goes
1: down, right? Yeah, and, and our solution. Uh you know, makes it l- less of a duck, uh, and and but in fact, the utilities who are early adopters of our technology are, are are you know P S O Oklahoma, um, and uh, T V A, uh, and and some of the municipal utilities are, are really interested in this technology because of the sort of um, lower impacts um, with the the great user experience. So. Um, I don't want to comment on California's grid. You know, every grid has its issues, uh, but it's, it's definitely an evolving uh, technology as, as people's demand changes um, and as technology comes out, more solar is deployed, more wind, um, you know, natural gra- gas in many cases. And so the battery really helps, you know, integrate all those different technologies onto the grid Uh, In a a better way. And and by the way, our batteries come from a plant in Tennessee. So they're the same batteries in the Nissan Leaf. Um, They come from a plant owned by Envision. And uh, so we're proud that our that our product is, you know, all the steel is made in America. Um, It's very much a homegrown product.
0: So, Ethan, in the last minute or so we've got in this segment, um, I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about the batteries. So, you mentioned that they come from Tennessee, they're the same modules as the LEAF. I'm guessing these are new, not reused batteries. Is that correct? Th- that's correct. Uh, he's nodding his head yes. <laughs> um, how, how large a battery do you put into these chargers?
1: Uh, we put 160 kilowatt hours into the charger. So. Um, so and then we have a uh, about twenty to twenty five kilowatts recharging them. So we can do about twenty cars a day at about a hundred miles without ever uh, emptying the battery and having it ready at one hundred percent for the next day. Uh, and if the battery goes to zero, we would pass through grid power. So there's you're never so you can get without 25
0: a charge. Twenty five or so. Yeah. 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 Interesting. So, yeah, I, and just for the listeners who may be trying to, like, put this in context, I mean, that's many multiples of what a, an average house uses in a day. Um, it's also, you know, if you were to do two back-to-back without any additional grid power, you could charge up two Tesla Model 3s roughly from that, that battery. Is that about
1: right? Yeah, that's about right. What people don't understand is the car dictates how fast the charge is. And, uh, and so, yep, it it's quite uh, – it's a quite – powerful. There's enough power in the machine to really meet the demand.
3: Yeah, Casey, I'm afraid we're going to have to bring him back another segment here. Uh, uh, Ethan, we're teasing you, of course, being from California and having gone to an Ivy League school. So stick around one, one, maybe two more segments, and we're going to talk more free wire EV charging with Ethan Sprague. I'm Tim Eccles. You're listening to Energy Matters. For Marlin Gas Services. As the port continues to grow, more and more trucking companies are using natural gas in their trucks instead of diesel. Marlin Gas Services is helping to usher in this clean opportunity. With their specialized rigs, they create virtual pipelines with all the equipment and expertise to provide reliable, clean natural gas. Marlin Gas is the company that gas utilities, pipeline companies, and industrial facilities turn to. See MarlinGas.com for more
0: information. This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by BMW Auto Sales.
2: COVID-19 has changed everything, even buying a car. BMW Auto Sales, one of our show sponsors, not only sanitizes every car, but you can buy it online and they'll trailer it to your home anywhere in Georgia and surrounding states. They've used electric cars, plug-in hybrids, and traditional hybrids. Check out the inventory at ev-hybrid.com. That's ev-hybrid.com. They have a three-day loaner period as well if you want to make sure electric works for you. Check them out at ev-hybrid.com. Hey, this is Tim Eccles. We're back on Energy
3: Matters.
0: Uh, Casey Boyce, my co-host, is always, from Decatur. Casey, how's it going? I'm good. Great to be with you this morning and a good conversation with our friend from California, uh, Ethan Sprague, with FreeWire Technologies. Yeah, UC Santa
3: Cruz and uh, Columbia Masters. So, Ethan, if you compare your two um, educational experiences, which one did you enjoy the most and why?
1: Well, um, I enjoyed UC Santa Cruz um, a lot, but I, I gotta say New York uh, opened your eyes in, in a way. I mean, if, if you had a lot of money, it'd be pretty fun to live there. If you don't, if you're a student uh, with a camera sent out into those communities, you learn a lot pretty quickly. And so I think, I, I think New York opened my eyes to uh, what high density was in a way that, uh, you know, pretty much changed, changed my life about where we're going in the future.
3: Did it surprise you or does it surprise you now how few electric taxi cabs there are in New York? Uh, I mean, it would seem like the duty cycle there, granted, they're going to New Jersey, they're going to, you know, they're, they're going to the different airports. Uh, uh, but it, it surprises me that they haven't embraced EVs the way that California has.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think they're. I think they're trying to. They're really dealing with you know not a lot of space to put in um, charging. Uh, the uh, the grid is antiquated in, in many locations. Certainly, the infrastructure is, um, and so I think they they're really the the challenge really is is charging right. And all the all the parking lots that used to be there are turning into high rises. There's, there's sort of this space issue, grid lack of grid uh, supply. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it's, it's been difficult for him.
0: About New York charging. Um, so many years ago, I think this has changed, but Con Edison, which is the uh, utility there in New York, was running a program to do some managed charging for level two and, and EVs. So basically, if they needed extra capacity on the grid, they would stop the EVs from charging. And this was when you could only buy the Chevy Volt or the, the Nissan Leaf, the only two that were, were out at that time, at least mass market. And what they found was that if you plugged in your Chevy Volt and you were charging and it stopped charging, um, the alarm would go off. And so their customers that were on this, this program obviously didn't like that, right? Their their car's alarm's going off. And what they found is that if you leave the Volt unlocked, the alarm doesn't go off when it stops charging. And so their recommendation to customers was leaving their cars unlocked while charging so they could be <laughs> on this program, which I thought was an absolutely stupid idea for New York City. Oh, wow. Uh, I, hey, I, let me ask
3: you this, Ethan, because, I mean, having lived in New York at least for a couple of years while you got your your masters, it just makes my blood boil when I have New Yorkers or Californians lecture lecture me about you know our coal plants or anything down here. I, I just go crazy. But one of the things that just that gets me as I go to New York are these ten thousand food carts that they have right because they all have a Honda generator sitting under the backside of it, running just about all day from like six in the morning to midnight. And that thing has no pollution controls on it, right? It's just a it's it's just a a lawnmower engine that's just running all day right at street level, right? Polluting right out there and nobody really wants to talk about that, right? None of my regulator friends in New York really want to talk about this double standard up there that they have. But uh, did you ever did it ever cross your mind while you were up there getting that Ivy League education that wow! There's got to be a better way to do these food carts.
1: Yeah, and in, in fact, it did. And in fact, we've addressed that. I, I I'm really surprised you brought that up. So our our level two uh, cart, the Moby Charger, we made one called the Moby Gen, and it's like a 25 horsepower generator, and it's perfect for for uh, for food trucks. And in fact, Google has purchased a bunch uh, for for. For supplying their food trucks, we've got some in a group called Off the Grid, and what it does is it reduces those emissions. You can actually hear the order that the person is making, and you're not tasting diesel as you're uh, as you're eating your food. So, you know, batteries have a lot of uh, applications, and um, you know we're an equal opportunity provider uh, of solutions.
0: So, Ethan, I just want to thank you. And I think our listeners probably do as well, because you don't know how many times Tim has brought up that pet peeve of his about those <laughs> generators in the New York food carts, and now we've got an answer. So thank you. <laughs> I
3: tell you what, I I need to let the the, the New York regulators know about your uh, your your Moby Gen, uh, so that they can begin talking about that, particularly with. The guys who make those food carts, right? So there's, there's a couple of manufacturers up there. They kind of have like a monopoly on these food carts. And, and these, these guys that work in them and gals that work in them, they're renting them or whatever. So I think this is a fantastic solution to a problem that's on you know, every single block you know, uh, uh, on, on Manhattan.
1: Yeah, we've got some uh, good video on our, on our website. And as I walk through New York, I, I, I go there pretty frequently. You know, it's the noise, it's the smell. And just removing that from the, uh, the landscape, I think, would be, would be great. Wow, that's so fantastic. You your
0: website. Uh, what, what is that website in case folks want to uh, go check out that video and, and check out your technology?
1: It's uh, freewiretech.com. So F-R-E-E-W-I-R-E-T-E-C-H.com.
3: Awesome. and the Twitter right. handle is freewire tech I'm at Tim Eccles the shows it matters radio and I'm at Casey Boyce yeah so this is so- this is exciting uh, Casey they're using the new Nissan modules let me ask you Ethan we're going to be using some used Nissan leaf batteries um, and since you've had experience of this what are some problems we might encounter here at the p- pivot facility where I'm recording this from when Georgia Power sets down this container with the used Nissan Leaf batteries that they've been able to buy for $800 a piece and they've ganged them together with the battery management system what what do you think is that is that a is that a good use for old lithium ion batteries that might be landfilled or something
1: yeah I mean I think I think um, that is a good use and I think there's value in Second Life batteries what we determined uh, as a as a company that that's going to scale, that's a shipping product across the globe, is that it was not scalable. Uh, it was too too expensive, and it was the supply chain could be a bit sporadic. Um, and so, you know, not to get too far in the weeds, but you've got to do a lot to balance uh, balance the battery cells. And so, you know, it just made production harder. But I think for um, but I think it's really cost-effective if you're doing smaller projects. It, it does make sense.
3: Now, let me ask you about the heat management in your containers. I know I've, I've visited fp and and some other places, uh, San Diego Gas and Electric, and I noticed a couple of big air conditions hanging off the side of these containers, kind of gobbling up some of the station power, if you will. How do you guys manage the heat? And is are the batteries powering the air conditions or is there some other system that you have? How does that work?
1: Yeah, so... Um we have a basically air air cooling the, the batteries, and they're also wrapped in a blanket uh, to heat them up in cold climate. So the key thing is keeping the batteries at the right temperature. A lot of the, the heat containment is around the power electronics. These are the DC to DC converters that take the power out of the battery. Um, in our recent deployment uh, in the Central Valley of California, it was up at a, you know 110 degrees. And we were able to keep that battery temperature right within spec. So, um, so there, so it, it's possible to do. And I think a, a, one of the reasons why f- folks haven't gone down this road was because they're worried about thermal management, heat containment, as you say. But you can do it. Uh, there's there's um, sophisticated cooling systems that you can use, and. Um, and we've integrated it right into the system. So, um, our system is, uh, really small. It saves space and, uh, you don't even really even hear those fans going and they just, they just keep that battery cool. The battery is kind of like a large rock, you know, rocks take a while to heat up and they take a while to cool down. And if you keep it within its range, it's going to maintain that temperature pretty well.
3: Casey, um, envision i don't know if it's the same envision but there's a company in san diego called envision that makes these portable solar ev chargers and i know georgia power is buying mm-hmm. two of them and we'll have them at the petite Lama Imza race october the 16th and 17th so folks that are coming to the ev corral casey you'll have your bmw i3 there uh, we'll have a number of teslas and audis the porsche Taycan. Uh, other maybe in a couple of old Fiskers, uh, but we'll have that Envision unit there kind of showcasing that it'll be in the middle of our EV performance corral and you know that's actually taking uh, solar putting it in the battery then putting it in the car right Casey?
0: Yeah, it's very cool. And, you know, it's interesting that you bring that up because when, when Ethan was introducing FreeWire and kind of what they do, it struck me that the the Moby charger that he described, so a little portable, you know, level two charger, would be perfect for a racetrack or an autocross or something like that where you've got EVs out and kind of away from infrastructure and, and need, um, need to be able to charge them up in between runs. So, yeah. Um, yeah. When we Yet come he, back, he, I, I, we, I, wait, wait a second. We're going to bring you back,
3: Ethan. We, we, uh, we got one more segment. We, even if I'm from California, you'll bring me back. Even from California, we're gonna we're gonna break our rule, bring you back that fourth segment, and we're even going to give you an invitation to come down to this race and to bring one of these Moby units and show it off uh, to the tens of thousands of folks coming through. So stick around. We're going to bring Ethan Sprague back one more time. Talk about. Uh, the EV Performance Corral, Road Atlanta, Free Wire, and all the cool things that Ethan's involved with out there. I'm Tim Eccles. You're listening to Energy Matters.
2: Hi everyone, my friends at One Medicare USA would like to wish you a happy birthday, especially those of you that are turning 65. We know that turning 65 is a significant milestone and it can be very confusing and overwhelming as it relates to Medicare. One Medicare USA provides educational virtual workshops that make Medicare easy to understand. They have local Medicare specialists that can help explain all of your options and costs associated. To schedule a free workshop, visit 1MedicareUSA.org or call 404 496 6994. You can also register for one of the virtual workshops by visiting their website. Again, that's 1MedicareUSA.org or call 404 496 6994. They make Medicare easy for you. These seminars are for educational purposes and no plan specific benefits or details will be discussed. One Medicare USA nor its affiliates are associated with the federal Medicare program. COVID-19 has changed everything, even buying a car. BMW Auto Sales, one of our show sponsors, not only sanitizes every car, but you can buy it online and they'll trailer it to your home anywhere in Georgia and surrounding states. They've used electric cars, plug-in hybrids, and traditional hybrids. Check out the inventory at ev-hybrid.com. That's ev-hybrid.com. They have a three-day loaner period as well if you want to make sure electric works for you. Check them out at ev-hybrid.com
3: this is Tim Eccles. We're back for our final segment with Ethan Sprague from FreeWire. Uh, Casey Boyce—he's a good guest today,
0: doing some cool things out there. He is, yeah. And we've just wrapped up the last segment, talking a little bit about the Petit Le Mans and the EV Performance Corral. Um, Tim, you've been really involved in pulling that together. Um, for our listeners, what, what's the date of the Petit Le Mans, and, and you know, what are what are you doing? Yeah, so it's October 14th through the 17th.
3: And if you've never been to Road Atlanta up in Hall County, it is a cool road course. And they've got road courses in California, all over America, really, because there's there's a group of kind of um, gearheads out there. My son's one of them. that like to go to these tracks and they learn, uh, you know, through amateur racing how to do this. And then you go all the way up, of course, to to the IMSA series. Folks are familiar with NASCAR. Well, NASCAR owns IMSA now, and NASCAR actually owns Road Atlanta, two-and-a-half-mile track. And during this big event, um, inside this infill, you can imagine a two-and-a-half-mile track, inside this infill is a lot of space. And there's a Corvette Corral where the Corvettes park. There's a Porsche Corral where the Porsches park. BMWs have one. For the first time ever, we're having an EV performance corral. So, only 65 EVs will be allowed in here. We'll have this big Envision solar unit. We'll be doing hourly seminars. We'll be doing composting, recycling. Uh, everything in this corral will be electric, including the Polaris gym cars that we have and the Panis low-speed vehicle. So, Casey, it is going to be a cool event, especially the day of the big race, which is Saturday, October 17th.
0: Yeah. And if you haven't been up to Petit Le Mans before, it is a great event to be at. Very family friendly. Um, you know, a lot of fun to be up there in the fall, watch the cars run. And, um, you know, you can come by the EV Performance Corral. And, you know, if you're an EV owner, you know, hang out with other EV owners. If, if you're just curious, come by and, you know, talk to me and Tim and, and other people who are EV drivers. Tim, have you had uh, an EV out on Road Atlanta before? No, I'm, I've never
3: been in. I've been on the track in a in a in a gas car, but I've never been on a, in an electric car. How, how how does it
0: feel in an EV? Uh, it's a lot of fun. I mean, the, the EVs have a lot of torque, right? So uh, they're quick off the line, and so you know you go around a corner, you hit the apex, you punch the throttle, and you're off. So uh, it, it's it's a lot of fun to be out there in an EV. And maybe we'll get some EVs out there. Um, Ethan, you, you are an EV driver,
1: correct? That's right. I drive a Chevy Bolt with a B. Have you had that on the track? I haven't had it on the track, but I I, I do uh, recall having a couple of experience pulling up to a stoplight and uh, someone in a, a Mustang or a muscle car and and they're kind of gunning their engine and it's loud and I'm just sitting there quietly and then I hit it and uh, and and my little my little commuter car leaves them in the dust. So that that's that's kind of fun.
3: Well, wow, these cars do have a lot of torque. Ethan, I wasn't joking in the last segment when I said I would love to have your Mobi unit there and showcase it. I don't know if there's any of your Moby units sitting down here in Georgia, but what we need to do is get to get pivot at this Cox facility that I'm at right now. I'm at a Mannheim facility that's owned by Cox Automotive. We need to get them to buy a couple of these Mobi units because they've got, I'm looking out the window here, they've got 50 bolts out here that lift runs. They've got a whole bunch of Teslas that are out here that they recondition. uh, and, And then other EVs, this is the largest EV charging facility in the Southeast. They've got 10 Fast chargers uh, here, so they they need one of your products. You know, and
1: and it so happens, uh, I got a contract with them. They could just put in a purchase order, and we could we could have one there by the time that show starts.
3: Yeah, so I'll email you the manager down here, and maybe maybe that Cox Manheim facility there in California. I don't know if it's um, the Riverside auction or yeah. or which auction it is, but but they've got a relationship with these guys, and probably all it would take is an email to get get the thing done maybe we could then get it by road atlanta and have it here and then we'd love to see you get on an airplane come to atlanta and be a volunteer with us and show people you can just demonstrate the project can can would your company maybe pay pay you to
1: come down here and be a part of this fun event absolutely if we got a if we could sell a unit there we'd definitely come out and uh, you could drive it around i would love to charge those vehicles and you know we'd make a we'd make a day of it that sounds that wow, sounds Tim,
0: great you are doing you're doing a great job of inviting folks from california to come to the ev performance corral this is at least the second person that i'm aware of so hey i, I appreciate that show them what we're doing here in georgia well you know californians um as much as i tease them they
3: love classic cars there, there's, there's probably more restored classic cars in California. Then probably three-quarters of the states in America combined. They love classic cars. They also, you know, are the epicenter for EVs. And, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of people there, but Californians... I mean, they love recreation, they love camping, uh, you know, it, it's just, if you've never been to California, it's just a different place out there, isn't it,
1: Ethan? It, it is, and one of the things that I, I love, and I, I wonder if you do a, a pretty good job in Georgia on this, is I love a good beer, and I, I suspect that uh, I could probably find one in Georgia.
3: Yeah, one or two. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm a teetotaler, I'm, I'm a Baptist, I don't know if you have Baptists out there in California, but I, I I don't drink alcohol. I love sweet tea. I love Arnold's kind of the tea and lemonade combination, yeah. and of course anything Chick Fil A. You know, I'm just I'm just a fanatic
0: uh, on that. So, but Casey might drink beer with you. Would you, Casey? Oh, absolutely, and and Ethan, you mentioned you've been to Decatur before, so I, this is you know an epicenter for some good craft beers. Uh, certainly not the only place. Athens, uh, where our our show airs out of, some great craft breweries in the Athens area, some great Atlanta area breweries. Um, so yeah, it's a, there's some there's some good beers here. Yeah, let's let's uh, move away from alcohol and back over to Can we talk about cars.
3: <laughs> back over to yeah, free Wire. Uh, I, I I do want to talk about. Where FreeWire is going in terms of your marketing strategy, where you see the Southeast fitting in, for example, to your plan, will we be seeing more of your products here?
1: Absolutely, uh, I, I see the Southeast as a as a great market, and um, I know there's you know there's a lot of highway out there. There's a, a lot of places where you need to fill in uh, fast charging so that people will will adopt vehicles, and our product is as. You know, spot on for that for that task. Um, so I, I think it uh, I think is a great market for us. Where we're going really is is to create the uh, the charging system of, of the future. And if you can imagine, you know, I know you understand the regulatory context and uh, rates and and grid impact. If you can imagine a, a fleet of batteries out there that can charge vehicles and can also provide power back to the grid uh, and operate when the grid is down. You can really see that as a public asset. And we think that's what really makes our product uh, different uh, and, and important to overall adoption. We're lowering costs, we're increasing functionality, and we're providing something back to, to the grid in general, whether it's the, you know, the clean, green California grid or, or any other grid for that matter.
0: So you mentioned earlier uh, the TVA was uh, someone that you're working for. For our listeners, that's the Tennessee Valley Authority, which is uh, the large uh, generation um, and, and transmission utility, uh, federally owned, that's that's just north of us in in the Tennessee Valley. Um, are, do you have any plans anytime soon for installations in their their territory, where you know our listeners might be able to take a little road trip and see one of your units in action?
1: Yeah. So. Um uh, the first unit is going to go to TVA, and it's going to go to an EPRI lab. Uh, and then they're going to decide to put it out someplace in Tennessee. And I'm not sure exactly where that's going to be, but uh, uh, it might be in Chattanooga. But uh, we can follow up with that. It's probably going to be de- deployed uh, this fall.
0: Yeah, you'll have to let us know. And we'll we'll put it out on our, our Twitter, um, which uh, is at Matters Radio for the show. Yeah, I'll give a shout out to Chattanooga. Casey,
3: I don't know if you've been up there okay. taking your family to the aquarium, but they have these free EV hop on, hop off buses, unair conditioned, just you know, just open windows. But they're running around in that uh, kind of uh, tourist area and I understand they're Buick chassis, uh, and actually a Buick creation. But Chattanooga really was way ahead of the curve on that for transit systems, at least in the southeast. I don't know if you've been on one of those. I've hopped on
0: one, Casey. Yeah, no, it's great. It's, you know, uh, very quiet, um, really easy to get around downtown. And they've got some great infrastructure downtown for EV drivers. Um, That was one of the first road trips we took in, in my first EV back in 2014, 2015.
1: Tim, could I ask you a quick question about what you see as the uh, as the, the future for EVs in the southeast?
3: Yeah, I, I really think that winning over the rural parts of our state is important, not just because of the citizens that are there, but because of the lawmakers that are there. So we've seen this with solar, that, that large utility-scale solar was placed in middle and south Georgia. Why? Because the land was cheap, it was flat, and it, there was proximity to substations. We've got to find that same secret sauce for EVs. And I think an F-150 or an equivalent that, uh, that my buddies down in South Georgia could use will go a long way towards convincing a lawmaker who has the ability to vote on, on EV policy uh, convince them that this is the right thing. So I really think that is the frontier for us. Casey, uh, it's been great having Ethan on today. Tell us where we, uh, where we can find out more about his organization.
0: Yeah, so uh, check out our show's Twitter handle, At Matters Radio. We'll, we'll link to it. Um, they're also on Twitter uh, at Free Wire Tech. Um, and freewiretech.com is their website i'm at casey Boyce on twitter and tim you're yeah i'm at tim eccles so thanks everybody for listening ethan thank you for being a part of the show
3: today my pleasure hey catch us every week on energy matters Uh, i'm tim eccles i hope you guys have a great rest of the day Um.